Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Here is your host, Tom Verbruggen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Drone Business Talk. It's a great and sunny afternoon here uh, in Belgium. I am hoping that you are also enjoying your day and that you're listening, uh, ready to listen to today's uh, episode. Uh, I'm joined uh, today by Sam Twala, who is the managing director of NTSU Aviation, I must say, or NTSU if you spell it, uh, in South Africa, in Pretoria. Uh, and NTSU Aviation, which actually means Eagle Aviation, if I'm correct, uh, Sam, the, they do uh, consultancy for service prov- drone service providers as well as governmental uh, service providers. Um, so I will be talking uh, with Sam about um, the more legislative part of drone companies. What do they need to do and how can they be assisted? And we'll take a deep dive in a little bit of regulation. So, hey, Sam, it's very nice to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm very well. Thank you, Tom, for having me here today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, glad to have you, uh, Sam, uh, because I, I really, um, when when we decided to do the podcast, I realized that um, what you are doing and what I was doing before in my in my my career is quite similar. Is quite uh, parallel. Uh, is assisting is assisting aviation companies and in your case, drone companies. Uh, getting their approvals and getting their ops manuals. So uh, I already uh, gave a bit of a spoiler there, but can you can you give a little bit of ex- explanation, Sam? What does NSU Aviation, if I spell that correctly, uh, what does NSU Aviation do? Uh, thanks, Tom. Uh, I, I must say, I, I must give credit to you how you say NSU. I mean, you say it so perfectly well, and that's actually the correct way of uh, saying it. And I'm saying that because I know a lot of people struggle to say it uh, correctly. Uh, answering your, your question, what do we do as NSU uh, Aviation Solutions? We are actually a professional uh, service provider, and we are involved in consultancy in a drone space where we assist uh, companies, large and small, to be able to be compliant with uh, civil aviation regulations, as you'd understand, uh, in most countries, for one, to be able to operate a drone legally, especially to look at uh, commercial operations. There are certain regulations that one needs to comply with, and that's what we assist. So basically, what uh, how I can put it is we are that middleman between civil aviation authority and uh, and anyone who is looking at uh, operating drones uh, for commercial purposes. Yeah, um, and and what what is your background? I mean, how did you in, get involved into the drones? Uh, as I said in a, in another episode once, in the drone world there are. Uh, all young companies, eh? and we all we all emerge from somewhere. So, how did you end up in in drones? Uh, my first involvement with uh, drones actually goes back to two thousand and nine, as uh, you know, young and ambitious uh, graduate because I actually studied uh, electronic engineering at the University of Pretoria. So, after completing, I worked for a, a military company in South Africa, and with 
uh, my specialty, or at least what I was looking at at the time, was in the optics, you know, uh, industry. So, uh, and there was a project which was actually led by students at the time, where we were looking at uh, designing sensor avoid for, for for drones. They were military drones, but the idea was they were starting to look at uh, civil applications. You know, so basically that's where I really started with uh, my career, or at least uh, the idea of uh, unmanned aircraft systems or, or drones. And from there, I then actually moved to Civil Aviation Authority. And at a time, which was uh, 2011, 2012, and I could literally say I'm one of those guys who started uh, drone industry formally in, in South Africa because I was in the forefront. Uh, it was my project to develop or draft drone regulations which were then promulgated uh, in South Africa in 2015, uh, July, which at the time was one of the first, uh, South Africa was one of the first countries to actually uh, promulgate uh, regulations which were comprehensive and they were part of uh, formal legislation. So that's, that's where I, I, in terms of uh, my experience, that's where I come from. It comes a uh, little bit more than 10 years ago. Yeah, and so you were part of the, of the, Civil Aviation Authority at some point. Uh, yes, I was, yes, I was uh, employed by Civil Aviation Authority. The first two years, I was actually a certification engineer. And that was, uh, that's pre-drones uh, at, 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 at Civil Aviation Authority. And within two years or so, I was then identified as someone who was, I guess, maybe I had enough energy or at least interest in drone industry. And also given my uh, previous background, where then we formally started the drone yeah, industry in South Africa from civil aviation. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you said, regulations came, came about in 2015. And in the last five years, we have seen in South Africa a really big boom of drone operators and what they called ROC uh, holders, right? Correct. Um, because we, 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 you're not... Uh, we we've been talking to a few um we are to a few operators already in drone business talk um and with iDronect we also have a few a few customers uh, in South Africa uh, involved into mining and surveying and one of the episodes was with premier uh, premier mapping as well so yeah we we can see that there is a a, a large amount of of ROCs and that is exactly what you do right in 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 Sioux aviation uh, you you provide the services so that companies who are um, having the ambition to become a, a drone operator can get their license, can get their certificate. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost you there for about a few seconds, Tom. If you could please uh, repeat your, your question. Sure, sure. So the, the, the question is, that's what NSU uh, Aviation is doing, is, is providing the services so that the companies who have the ambition to become an ROC holder can get their certificate and all the, all of the necessary things with the authority. That's what you guys do. Uh, Affirm. That's 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 what we do. Uh, I mean, all in all, uh, if you look at uh, the compliance or at least the approvals that one needs to obtain from Civil Aviation Authority. Uh, in total, it's about uh, six approvals that you're going to need individual approval. Okay. You know, obviously, depending on uh, your operational scope. So we assist with almost uh, uh, all certificates or approvals, with exception only of uh, RFS, with 
the only exception is the part of license. That's the only one that we don't do. But all other uh, approvals, we, we we very much involved and assist with those as uh, our core expertise. Yeah. How does the process look like? What what does somebody do when they come to you, when they come to your company? Or how does the process look like? What what, what do you do? Where we start, one of the first things that we do is to sit down and understand uh, your operation or at least your intent, because that's very, very critical. And with your intent, we also try to understand that, yes, maybe this might be your uh, your short-term thinking or planning, and then also what is your, your long-term thinking and planning. And the reason why that is very uh, critical is when you then approach uh, or you start drafting compliance documents and one of that of those compliance documents the most critical one being operations manual uh, it's very critical that your operations manual talks to your operations you know it's not one size fits all mm -hmm. and even when civil aviation authority they uh, assess that manual they want to assess it in the context of your operation yeah. so the the process is quite is quite uh, intense and involved and you know, and uh, if you then they are in a position to elaborate or at least cast your eyes in the future and say, this is what I have, that's what I want to do today, but in the future, this is where I'm going. Then we are able to draft your compliance documentation with a room of uh, growth in a direction that you have uh, indicated to us. So so that, that's how we, we start with the process. And uh, more than anything, then we'll draft uh, your documents like your process manual based on uh, our discussion, what we understood, and then we'll then give you that operations manual to go through it and, 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 and confirm that, yes, this represents what I have in mind. And if you have uh, some amendments, or maybe you feel there are certain areas that we need to strengthen or add, then we can do that. And then only then, then we submit a manual to, uh, to CEN. One of the reasons why also that is quite important is at the end of the day, this is going to be your operations manual. This is going to be the reference book in your organization. So you need to have an understanding of that document because after 12 months or so, CAA will then uh, renew your license. And, and uh, when they renew your license, they're going to do some audit. So you need to have good understanding of your document. And so we, we draft these documents with understanding that it's going to be your document. You're going to use it. So it must make sense to you and you must understand it. Even after, at, at, at some point, you don't, you, know, uh, you don't need us to be there every day. Yeah, yeah. That's in fact there is there is a saying uh, that 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 I used a lot when I when I was writing ops manuals for for aviation companies that it's very important in order to not have problems with your audit that 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 happens a year later or or six months down the line that you actually write what you do and you do what you write. And you just don't have like one one manual that, like you said, was that one one size fits all, or it's copy paste from from a big airliner to a to a small drone company or something like that. So yeah, that's that's very very important, I guess. And I understand that uh, a lot of people will will turn to that kind of service. Um, I was talking to uh, Johan Nietling from Neo Precision, a drone operator as well out of South Africa, and he mentioned that um, that uh the the number of pilots that are on the on the market uh are in fact not enough uh i i remember that when we had a chat before sam that you told me 
it, it the market seems to be like at a at a point where it where it's getting flooded at the moment. So what, can you can you explain what you meant by that? Uh, definitely, and then also uh, the other uh, important factor to take into account as well, where maybe the changes or difference could be coming from, is with with a pandemic as well. I mean, a lot of businesses were affected, you know, in terms of growing and, and all that, and ability to uh, absorb new skills or new pilots into their businesses. However, how in general I look at what is happening and how we could put the, uh, analyze the, the situation is the drone industry or the market at this stage uh, seems to be uh, getting flooded uh, and, and, and also it, it, it gets to a point where it looks like it's not growing anymore, you know, if I can put it that way. And, and more than anything, it would be because the, um, the, the industry is not really uh, growing that much. And more than anything, I would attribute that to restrictions which are coming from, uh, from the regulator, where some of the operations are not necessarily possible today. And if I can give an example, uh, the, where you're looking at uh, parcel deliveries, maybe over, over distance, if you're looking at uh, drone operations in, in urban areas, there are still uh, some challenges there. And, and for that reason, uh, then the, the market, you know, the pie is not getting, is not big enough to absorb uh, the new entrants in the market, especially if you look at uh, those who are training as, as, as pilots. The training schools are very much busy. They are producing uh, qualified pilots at a very, very high rate. And, and those pilots needs to be absorbed in, in the market somewhere. But uh, that doesn't seem to be happening at the very same rate. So the, that needs to be balanced. You know, it's just a matter of time in a couple of months where you will find that there are a lot of pilots who are outside of uh, drone industry because they are not able to find employment because the industry or just the market is not going uh, big enough to accommodate everyone. And did I understand correctly that you said that the factor that is limiting the growth of the market is in fact that the regulation does not uh, match up with the demand of the of the industry of or of the of the applications? Is, is that what I what I need to understand? Yes, that, that is that. And and uh, anyway, that concept of uh, regulator always playing a catch up. I mean, it's a, it happens all over where you find that the industry, they are very uh, innovative. They want to bring in new ideas. They want to bring in new technology. And that is not happening at the very same speed with uh, regulations. You know, regulators, they always lag behind, you know. So that's exactly what is what is happening. Like I said, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common uh, challenge all over the world. You know, so uh, if you can find a good balance between uh, regulators uh, being open-minded and being in a position to to accept new technology, a new way of doing things, and uh, with regulations being very much agile and accommodating, you know, the new ideas, new technology from industry, that will go a long way. That will go a very long way. Is is that possible? Is that a is, is that possible? Could, could you could you imagine uh, um, a regulator? And a, and a style of making regulations that is that is agile and that that actually f- 
moves together with the market, with the market demand? Yeah, it, it's not, it, it is very possible. It's very much possible. Uh, however, when uh, I'm talking about being agile and, and moving uh, together with industry, it might not be the same day, it might not be the same week, right? But if a, a delay, it's not uh, going to be six months, the delay is not going to be uh, 12 months. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, it's very much, it's very much possible. And how, where, where how does that start with, uh, when you draft the regulations, you know, one of the, there, there's certain concepts that one has to take into account. Like uh, regulations should be technology free, right? It should not prescribe technology. You know, it should look at, uh, and regulations should not be prescriptive. You know, th those are some of the concepts that if you draft a regulation with such in mind, it would mean uh, it's not about the technology. It's about, uh, it's about safety no matter what type of drone you use, no matter what kind of capability that drone has. As long as you, you operate a drone within certain uh, regulations, you know, that should be safe enough. So that's the idea of, even from the regulator's point of view, you know, they should move away from regulations which were drafted for men, because men regulation, uh, you know, they're very much static, they're very much prescriptive. So if regulators could, could move away from, uh, you know, those concepts, then you can start having uh, regulations which are accommodating of uh, drone technology and uh, they'll be then in line with the expectation of the industry. Yes, yeah. I understand it might not be one-to-one, -one, but the change and if the regulator is open-minded and they're able to accommodate new ideas, new technology, then the, that will be a game changer. Yeah, I see. And in, I always try to get my head around this, the role that regulations plays in, um, yeah, playing a role, in fact, in ensuring the safety. What, what, what do you think is the, is the role that regulations can play in safety? Or is safety never something that comes out of regulations and is just that you need to do, you need to apply good practices when you're an operator? Or does that, or does in fact regulations have a role to play and can it improve uh, safety? Well, definitely a regulator uh, has a role to play. And the, the reason for that is, uh, yes, the operators, I'm pretty much sure with regulators as well, there's no one who wakes up and plans that today I'm going to cause an accident. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. However, the accidents happen because you, you started neglecting obvious and basic uh, things to do in uh, observing uh, safety. So uh, regulations are there to at least give guidance, to give, to set a bar, to say, uh, if this is what you're going to do, uh, these are the regulations play within uh, these boundaries, right? And it's also important because, you know, typically people who are involved in business, they tend to start putting uh, money before safety. You know, it, it happens, you know, with some operators, they do that. So at least if you have regulations, you have a checkpoint, you know that at some point you have, uh, there's someone who's watching over you. And if you don't do things right, you may even lose that capability of making even that money, whether it's little or more money. Yeah. So regulators are there for good reason and they play a very important role as a watchdog over all of us because not all of, all of us will be conscious and have a, a respect, uh, especially when it comes to 
you know, like I indicated that no one wakes up and say to them, go to make a, to cause an accident. So uh, a regulator, is, it is there for, 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 for that good reason, you know, to play that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think you, you, you touched on something very importantly when you said that uh, uh, there is always the dilemma sometimes between the full protection of safety and then on the other hand, the profitability of a company. And, and some, somewhere you need to find the, um, yeah, the average or the position that, that actually is far, that protects you from both, from not going into a crash and also not going bankrupt. So that is an, that's an important point to, to make as well. Uh, no, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that answer, Sam. Um, coming back to Nsu Aviation, um, is there anything in the pipeline? Is there any new, um, new services that you are planning to do in the next, in the next year? Yes, uh, definitely. I mean, working with uh, different uh, clients, uh, whether they are in the uh, private sector, also in a public sector, looking at uh, government and, and municipalities, we, we realize that uh, there's actually a gap, uh, which applies uh, predominantly on large entities, uh, municipalities and government. And for that reason, then we're looking at how best to assist these uh, large corporates, because one of the biggest mistakes that uh, large corporates do is when they get into the drone industry, one of the first things that they do is to purchase a drone. And then once they purchase a drone, now they start asking questions to say, uh, what are we going to do this with these drones? And what problems uh, are we going to solve with these drones? Or which question are we going to answer with this question? Mm -hmm. So for, for that reason, uh, and, and I must say that is very much common in large uh, corporates uh, and government as well. So uh, realizing that, you know, together working with um, uh, some of my partners, then we came up with the idea uh, and introducing a concept called the uh, Enterprise Drone Program, where we say, uh, before you purchase that drone, firstly, let's take a step back and say, uh, what are your challenges? What are your problems today? And looking at uh, how are you solving your problems today? And in that sense, then we are in a position to say, as a matter of fact, uh, looking at how you do things today, uh, solving this kind of problems today, uh, with a drone, you might be able to solve your problem quicker or cheaper, you know, but you are only in a position to say that if you understand the problem, right, which is what most people neglect. And then once you have understood what the problem is, and then you can then start saying, this is type of a drone that you need, that is suitable, and that will be able to solve your problems. So uh, with this program, then we are looking at uh, working with large corporates and to make sure that they are able to realize uh, the return on their investment because at the same time, it, it's also you know, difficult uh, to know whether you are realizing benefits out of uh, introducing drones because in the first place, you never even defined your metrics to say, hey, these yeah. are my challenges. Yeah. And if I introduce uh, with the current processes, this is how far I'm able to get, these are kind of results I'm able to get. And if I introduce drone, will I be able to double? On, on, on the results or not. So then once you've done that, uh, the process, uh, you, uh, you're following a structured process, which is what I indicated as a drone program. Then you are able to have a structured way of introducing drone and being able to monitor and being able to improve and uh, you, you know, 
So that's the idea. That's what we now uh, introducing uh, into the market. To say uh, for large corporate, and as I said, it works very well for, for large corporates, but it could also work for, for small small guys as well. But the guys which have noted that they have bigger challenges yeah. uh, when it comes to introducing loan programs. Uh, uh, large entities, including the government and municipality. Yeah, yeah, I see. No, that's. I think that's, and and it comes also back to the raising the awareness, right? It is like you're not buying a you're not buying a toy or a tool. You actually need to get the full package with it, and you need to get the the yeah the safety awareness and all these things. So you need to educate um, these these uh, entities. Hundred percent, and 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 the reason why uh, that would also be uh, very relevant and very necessary is when you look at uh, uh, these big entities. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, when you purchase a drone from a civil aviation authority, they start looking at you as an aviator. And uh, if you are a mine, you know, if you are a municipality, when you purchase a drone, your intention is not to be an aviator, right? And unfortunately, from a civil aviation authority, they want you to walk, you know, think and, and be an aviator. So uh, with this kind of a program, at least then we are saying, you don't necessarily have, uh, uh, you want to have uh, a structured process in understanding and introducing drones in your, in, in your organization. And to yourselves, they remain as a tool that you want to use to achieve a certain outcome. You know, so and if you then did not follow this process from from the beginning of uh, trying to understand what are your challenges, what are your problems, then you're going to the process is going to frustrate you. You know, it's going to be very much frustrating. So this will then help also uh, as an organization that you have a solid foundation uh, compared to what we see with also with most organizations. We have one or two people who understand drone, who understand drone industry, and the moment they leave that organization. Whatever the ideas, whatever that we bring is going to fall flat because it was never built on a solid foundation. Yeah, yeah, I understand that, um, and and I think that's that's what we are still in. I, I, when we said today in the podcast, uh, when we, earlier that we are all young, uh, a young industry with all young companies, teenagers at maximum. Um, it still means that a lot of education and a sound foundation needs to be made before we can grow uh, further, uh, which leads me to my last question of, of the podcast. Um, autonomous drones, Sam, what do you think? When, when, we will, when we'll be seeing those things? No, when you ask uh, the question of autonomous drones, immediately I, I actually went back uh, while I was still with Civil Aviation Authority because uh, I was actually... Uh, South African representative at the International Civil Aviation Organization. And the question of autonomous drones is so complex and it's so complicated. Uh, I remember back then, which was uh, probably 2014, uh, 2015, where it was so complicated, even ICAO, they excluded you know, autonomous drone from their scope because of the complexity, you know. And uh, Autonomous drones definitely in the future they have a role to play. However, it's a little bit too early today to have autonomous drones. And the reason being, one for me, one of the most important uh, uh, platform to start thinking autonomous drones is if we have automated 
uh, traffic management system specifically for drones. And, and the reason being, uh, today, if you want to integrate drones with, let's say, manned uh, aviation, one of the biggest problem is the predict uh, predictability. You know, with the autonomous drone, that doesn't exist. And in aviation, the moment you introduce uh, a component where no one can predict that this is, uh, in case this fails, this is what might happen, then it makes control very, very much impossible, right? However, if that uh, autonomous drone then fits in within uh, automated traffic management system, and then the system on its own then will be able to manage uh, such. So, but if you look at today, I would say it's, it's a little bit premature, you know, to start having uh, autonomous drones uh, integrated today with, with uh, a drone industry. It's a little bit yeah. premature. They may yeah. have one or two applications where they are standalone somewhere, you know, in a sterile environment, it's possible. But uh, as far as wide implementation, we are a little bit too late. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just tried to get some reaction from <laughs> from the people <laughs> I, I talked to on this subject because, uh, yeah, we, a lot of people are thinking that tomorrow we're going to see uh, yeah, drones uh, transporting goods massively and even people and then autonomous drones, of course. But I like your answer because, in fact, it ties in with, in what we do at Hydronect as well. We we have an we have an UTM or we have a traffic management system as well. So now I know what we need to uh, we need to look forward to <laughs> in the future. Um, Sam, it was great to have you on the, on the podcast. Uh, thanks for your time and joining us and giving your insights on on not only in Sioux Aviation but also on the regulations uh, side of it. And and thanks for that for that as well. Um, well, that's a, that's it then for another episode of Drone Business Talk. Uh, again, want to thank Sam for being here today. I hope it was valuable for you listening or watching. Um, don't forget to subscribe to this uh, to the podcast or to the YouTube channel. If you have any comments or questions that we need to uh, address next time, uh, feel free to leave a comment for sure. And anything about Nsu Aviation, you will find the link below uh, this episode. Sam, thanks, thanks a million for being here today. I hope you have a great day and uh, a lovely year ahead with Ensu Aviation. Drone Business Talk is brought to you by iDroneact, the drone management platform. iDroneact makes it easy to fly professional drones in safe, legal, and profitable way. iDroneact clears the air so you can focus on your mission and fly more.